Welcome to Stock Odds Odds and End Podcast. I'm Dave Singh here with Rob Friesen, trying to get ready for the week ahead. Good evening, Rob. How's everything? Oh, great. Uh, yeah, it's going to be a, a very exciting week. we got lots of uh, stuff packed in. Uh, I think a very um, concerning week for many, too, and, and really hard, really hard to... Uh, to plan, uh, you know, properly, including, including looking at, uh, you know, our data and in a sense of, of what's like, we go day by day. So, I mean, as the, as the week plays out, we'll be able to, you know, adjust a little bit, but, um, when you got so many earnings packed into this week, you've got the fed, you've got seasonality. Um, we're on the back of, uh, a rally that uh, kind of stalled on Friday with uh, snap earnings, um, and yeah, I mean it's it's kind of a critical week for the bulls too to to latch on to building off this rally. So um, I think all things considered, one of the more challenging weeks uh, we've had uh, in this last couple of months here. So yeah. Well, let me uh, let me rattle off what the futures uh, are doing right now. Um, so as they open at uh, six o'clock Eastern time, um, we've had uh, some time for them to, you know, either build or fail. Um, but uh, the the Dow Jones futures are down 49 points, so not too much, only uh, 0.15 percent. Uh, S and P is down uh, 6.5 points, or 0.16 percent. Nasdaq 100. Um, where we were showing some, um, you know, interest in in tech stocks last week for sure. Uh, that's down uh, slightly now at 12 points, 12 and a quarter, and 0.10 percent. And Russell um, also had until Friday had some a really good run on the small caps, and then uh, Friday they got uh, everything that was up got pounded pretty good, um, minus 1.9 points. 0.11%. Nikkei um, up slightly right now. Um, Euro um, also rolled over a little bit um, down 30 points or 0.83. And the DAX uh, 117 points off 0.88%. And the VIX futures up slightly 0.29% or one, or sorry, 0.29 points, which is 1.16%. I want to bring people's attention to what I would think would be the lost art of vertical bar analysis. You know, um, I don't use, I don't use charts for trying to predict the future. I use them for if then statements to look for gaps and potential gap fills, to look for matching highs, matching lows, uh, any sequential closes where you have numbers that become really important. So let's just look at the Dow Jones futures for a moment. And again, if you go to the, the ETF DIA, it's gonna be slightly different, um, but very similar. Um, you just don't have the overnight uh, context um, on those. So, um, but let's look at something here for a minute. Um, we had we had a low set 
in June of 2021. And that came into play again January 24th of 2022. And when you bounced up from those, you went back to, say, uh, June of 2021, you went up to uh, August of 2021. And then when we bounce back, you see some of those numbers come in this year again. When we dropped um, in February 24th, incidentally, the number that we just rallied back to on Friday, where we the futures actually were overnight, futures were up. So that number was almost bang on with the February 24th low. The, um, the rally that we had uh, from May built for like a week and a half there, a really good rally in May. Um, and that came right up to matching many of the lows that we had at the beginning of the year and also in September and October. So, you know, really important to kind of write down your numbers and think about where we're likely to move to if we, you know, go in a particular direction. So, so now if we're going to roll back, um, there's a, a key number, which is the May 12th low. That would be kind of the first place um, a, a multi-day down session would take us, I would think. And if that doesn't hold, um, then you have the low again from May 23rd, or sorry, May 20th, the May 20th low. Um, and that would be the next one down. And then obviously heading back down to where we just came from, which would be the July 14th low. So you've got quite a few numbers in there. And so all you do is um, look at your extreme lows, highs, especially if you get reversals like what we had with May 20th. May 20th was a price discovery which broke below the low of the previous day. And then it rejected that and uh, closed uh, pretty much uh, on par with the previous day's close. And then we rallied from that. So that that number, that May 20th low, I'll give it to you on the Dow Jones futures, is 30,585. To give it to you in the with the diamonds, um, back to May 20th, May 20th low on the diamonds is 306.28. So just like the February 24th low was 322.69, on the diamonds on Friday, the high was 322.20. See how close that was, Dave? I mean, it, I mean, you know, these things track right back to these key numbers. So again, you're looking for daily bars. You would look for the low of a daily bar when you had a major reversal. 
any type of price rejection where you had new price discovery, but then it rejected it and closed higher. Those reversal bars are incredible numbers to jot down. Okay. Then anytime you get consolidation where it spends, you know, a lot of time in one area, like we had from May 27th until June the 7th or so, we spent a bunch of days consolidating. That's around the middle point is around 3.30 on the diamonds. Um, so if we moved higher, that would be a natural progression is to fill any gaps and then move up to that consolidation level. Okay, so think about consolidation and then trend break, reversals and matching highs, matching lows. And that can help frame things for you guys. Okay, so you can do it, do that exercise on the, you know, the S&P futures, the spies, the NASDAQ futures, the Qs, the Russell futures and the Russell IWM. Okay, um, but just jot them down and so that you remember to you know, think about how to get the most bang for your buck. Um, like if we, if you're short and you want to, you know, maximize the trade, it's good to know where it's likely on a probability basis to move towards. And there's a, you know, it's also good to flip to the weekly and to the monthly and look at it and you'd be surprised at how things play out even over the course of a month or two. And, it's, it's like that sentiment, it, you know, you pick up on where the most buyers are or the most sellers. And so this is a critical week and we're just on the back of, we had a rally kind of paused on Friday with, uh, like I mentioned, the snap earnings kind of affected the sentiment. And now we're coming into a week where we have a lot of earnings and we have a Fed announcement, we have seasonality and things like that. So. Let me roll over to Dave. What are some of the seasonality implications first here? Yeah, so looking at the almanac, um, again, for the month, the spider is expected to do plus 2.7%. And the past week alone, we almost did the entire amount of that. Even with Friday's pullback, the spider did 2.59% for the week. So we're coming in with this big rally, kind of a, um, a lot of strength on the front end. And the last week is a little bit uh, soft. So the last five days, we're expected to do minus 0.15% for the final five days, which is this Monday through Friday. And um, I looked at some of the sector ETFs within that to see which were, would be stronger or weaker than the spider. And um, it looks like being longer, some more defensive things, and the shorter, some of the more risk on. So longer things like real estate, silver, gold, utilities, healthcare, and staples um, relative to the spider and to be shorter things like financials, energy, XOP, um, basic materials, and discretionary. So uh, the, they all kind of line up that um, it's a softer week in general, according to the Almanac, be longer, a little defensive um, sectors, be shorter, some of the more risk on ones. And the fact we've come into this week from kind of a, a, a period of, of a premium, right? We've had a big, strong rally in the, in the month and the past week, so 
we could get even softer performance than the Almanac um, expects. Yeah, you know, it's amazing that, you know, you had so, like, sentiment got so bad there. And, uh, you know, and, and everybody, they forget about this seasonality aspect, you know, where it doesn't look like the, the month could perform. And sure enough, it, it goes and it performs on par with, you know, so far with, with what's expected for July. Um, so it always amazes me how seasonality holds up. Last year, actually, we were a bit ahead. We got over 3% briefly, uh, and it was expected to be 2.7% for the SPY. But we got a bit ahead of that, and then we pulled back to close, I think, at like 26 or something. So uh, it, it kind of mean reverted right at the end of the month. And, um, and, and so we can see possibly the same thing here pulling back again. Um, you know, we've got this recession implication again too so that this is a theme that's been building over the weekend and you know we're kind of concerned i guess for what the fed ultimately will do well you know they've indicated before three quarters but would they do a full point you know the pressure the pressure is building on them to reel in inflation and i do see some signs of inflation abating in some areas, you can see that because the US dollar pulled back um, a bit and caused a few of the commodities to, you know, um, pop a little bit, but the the trend has been, you know, down for some of these commodities already. So, so maybe a, a short term little pop for them, but some of that pressure, like we talked about, like sugar and, and lumber and, you know, there's a number of commodities that, that they've, they're well over their peak. Um, so the thing with, the thing with oil is, um, you know, oil can respond to the interest rate hike. Um, oil can also respond to peak oil uh, sentiment that's been going on with the Saudi uh, limitations on production. Um, oil can be impacted by the recession so it's it's really a battleground here and it can be a little bit more of a dangerous area to play in still um you know do you dave, dave do you like uh, taking any oil stocks in your baskets at all or no well, right now i think this is tied to more of the recession risk i mean like even tonight it's down a little bit but based on what the talk of recession and demand destruction so <laughs> I mean, as part of the Dow Jones, I, I trade like Chevron, but not as much as uh, it's, it's too risky, right? There's other things yeah. to play. Well, I mean, it's a little different with like natural gas is has been rallying recently, where oil has been pulling back. Mm -hmm. um, so it's you know oil cost per barrel and also you know refined gasoline yeah, that's been pulling back. You've seen some break at uh, the pump uh, down in California, haven't you? Yeah, we were up to seven dollars a gallon. Now we're down to like below six. So yeah, so it's pulled back a bit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and again, that's that plays into um, well, part uh, part of it, you know, part of it may be the strategic oil fund um, that has been utilized to um, provide some some barrels. Uh, apparently, um, the type of Oil that's in the strategic fund is is similar to the Saudi quality or Russia, even Russia quality, um, and so it's I, we've been selling our best or, or or pulling out of the strategic oil reserve the best, 
Um, and and there's there's a lot that's been used. So I would hate <clears throat> I would hate for there to be a real need for the strategic oil fund in the future <laughs> when <laughs> when there isn't any left <laughs> or any of the good stuff left in it. So um, yeah, you, you you know you kind of don't. I don't know if you want to play that game of alleviating the pressure at the pump by you know, utilizing a strategic reserve. I don't know if that's the solution, but um, anyway, it's it's a good, it's going to be interesting. So, um, you know, have we have we seen any increase in the probability of the one percent hike versus the three quarters? Um, have you seen any uh, recent? Adjustments on that. Like probably. I haven't heard Fed speak that's changed, but um, I mean, didn't didn't Canada go with one percent? I mean, some other central banks are being yeah. more aggressive than us. Yeah, I mean, Europe's you know Europe's moving the 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 needle to to get above zero. They're they're on that on that path. Um, Canada did a shocker of one uh, percent. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of pressure globally to. Uh, you know, not only to compete too, right? Because the stronger your currency can can get, you know, attract some investment and things like that, and your purchasing power for buying out from outside of your country increases. So there's the com- competitive aspect, there's the inflation aspect, but um, but I really think that <clears throat> this um, we're going to be experiencing the, what they call the bull whip. Have you heard that term before? Not, not that one. Okay, it, it's it's kind of like where you go from one extreme or pendulum extreme to another. So, for example, um, if widgets were in demand, you know, companies would ramp up to produce widgets, right? But then, if you have a recession and nobody's buying widgets, then you have excess inventory. Then you got problems with inventory turnover, like we've seen. Remember, many of the retail pl- uh, stores back in the last recession, um, they had inventory turnover problems and blah blah blah, right? And then it really it really impacted them greatly. Um, and so then you, you kind of go through this cycle where too much inventory, and then they have to lower prices, so you have disinflation moving to deflation. And then the process starts all over again, and and then the Fed has to, you know, lower rates again and stimulate the economy. So we're caught in this, you know, years ago we used to talk about it. We had entered the infinite age of moral hazard, mm. and you know that was when all this QE first started, right back in, you know, 2009. Well, actually, even before that, really in in after 2000, 2001. So um, we've had this constant, you know, kind of playbook of of messing with money flow, interest rates, all these things in an effort to keep something like a 2% target inflation going or a certain amount of, of employment or, you know, bailouts and things. And, and you've we were just caught in this this cycle, this loop all the time. So we're going to swing from inflation, and we could we could swing from inflation, very aggressive inflation, which may be still a long runway on that yet, 
But we could swing from that to deflation very, very rapidly. Yeah. You know, make make you just stunned at all of a sudden the prices are just, you know. Do you remember, like in fact, pull up a chart right now, Dave. Pull up a chart of XLE. Okay. Yeah. And go back on the monthly. Okay, to 2008. Mm -hmm. Okay. So this was where we were going to, ever the talk was, you know, 150 a barrel. Some people even had $200 a barrel for oil. That was on a target price, literally. And, you know, everybody was going to move out of the country and into the cities and blah, blah, you know, all that, right? Yeah. And then look at how we fell mm -hmm. from pretty much almost 150 a barrel down to like 38 or something, right? Yeah. So so it, the XLE doesn't show the price per barrel, it's just the energy ETF. But, but the, the point is that that was such a rapid move in six months, mm -hmm. like shocking stunner. So what if you had... What if you had factored in everything according to that expectation that oil was going to remain high and we were going to even go higher, and then you're suddenly caught? Like, think about people that hedged, you know. Uh, it could have affected airlines. All kinds of things can be affected. And, and then we just plunged down into the lows of 2009, and it took all the way to 2014 to rebuild out of that. So... You know, are we going to see some of the same things happen? Like if I look at the Bollinger Band spread right now between where we are at the top Bollinger Band and the lower Bollinger Band, it almost looks like it almost looks like a repeat of that could happen again, where we plunge down into the 30s. Yeah. <laughs> So or in 2020, remember we went <laughs> negative on the price of oil. So yeah, exactly. So. So that's the that's sort of the bullwhip effect is is mm -hmm. that we it's like a pendulum swing we go from one extreme to another extreme but the the point being this that we're caught in this cycle recycle cycle recycle kind of thing and um, it's going to be messy for uh, many years to come so, so that's uh, good news right for trading we want we want volatility we want changes but. But we have to be mindful of what is the regime change, right? Mm -hmm. what, what is happening? What is what is likely to happen? What is the markets factoring in? So the markets have already been factoring in, you know, peak inflation. Now we may not be at the top, but you can see you can see that's kind of what we had in this last rally. It's like, ah, you know, the sentiment's improving a little bit. We were oh, we came off of 50 consumer sentiment. We went to 51.7. So it's an uptick, right? And then we rallied, right? And uh, and so so the market starts factoring in these things. And um, I think it's important to be mindful of that and to, to plan our best. So I would say for this week, um, I think july seasonality has already shown itself to be quite reliable so some of the etfs that you um mentioned and and whether they're bullish or bearish for this week i would definitely 
uh, lean on that a little bit more. And then um, what are some of the large market caps that have earnings that could affect things? I think 162 of the S&P 500 stocks have earnings this week. So it's a huge week for earnings. And the big players are Microsoft, Google, Visa, Coca-Cola, McDonald's, UPS, um, Apple, Amazon, Facebook. So it's like you name it. The, the biggest mega cap stocks all seem to be on the 26th, right? So, so the, not so much tomorrow, but um, Tuesday, Wednesday. And Thursday, you can expect some of the big earnings. And that could really push the market one way or the other. It could really embolden the bulls or change change uh, the strength we've seen recently. So on the on the multinational side, um, you know, you could see impairment charges from FX just because the U.S. dollar has been so um, strong that if you're bringing in money uh, from other countries. Like um, yeah, you have an impairment charge. So, um, so the think about those versus the really the more secure domestic stuff that is, you know. Um, but I mean, again, um, some of that could have been affected if they are exporters. Um, you know, the the dollar's been strong, which makes purchases from other countries more difficult, and you know the demand could have fallen off. So. Um, I don't know if I would expect this earnings season to be that great, um, but you know, earnings are still a bit of a guesswork, right? You know, there are people that subscribe to like whisper numbers and kind of that, but I mean, there still can be shockers. You know, it was interesting to see uh, Meta, you know, fall back down into this, you know, because the last the earnings season before that, remember, it popped up. It. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it had a bit of a surprise and it popped up and then now it, it's uh, headed back down here. So, yeah, um, this is the, the busiest uh, earnings week. Um, every quarter we have one one week that, you know, majority of the S&P 500 uh, report. So, um, you know, be, be uh, on top of your game and sometimes Sometimes you can have a gap down on, like if the reports in the morning, you can have a gap down at the open and then actually improve from that point. Um, you can also have it gap up and then give it all back. Uh, so it just it kind of depends on not just the headline, but year over year earnings and revenue, quarter over quarter earnings and revenue. You got to look at the whole picture, and you also have to kind of know what was expected, what's really a surprise. And it's, so it, it takes a little bit to know if you should participate, right? Some, sometimes the best thing is just stay away and not trade something that has earnings. And that obviously gets difficult on a week like this. Um, and that's why we're saying this is one of the more challenging weeks because of the rally we had and the snap earnings on Friday, which caused that reversal. Um, and then we have the Fed and, and all that. So um if you take it cautiously we certainly don't blame you right <laughs> okay all, all right. right anything else well, good, yeah. good luck have a good week all right thanks dave thanks take good care luck.